0: Hello, everyone. I'm Christopher Linfont, and welcome to Nest Talk, the most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. We've got a great show ahead for you today on this Thanksgiving Eve of a Wednesday. Uh, today is November 21st, 2018. Um, so ahead in the show, we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson and uh, Joe Flacco going forward and the situation at quarterback, um, whether Gus Edwards should be the starter, um, the fact that the Ravens may see a third Hall of Famer hit the... Uh, football hall of fame uh three keys to the game against the raiders as well but first of course we always start with the game recap uh for the previous week so last week we didn't have a game recap because it was the bye week we went over some other games that were interesting for the ravens and you know consequences that those would have but we get to talk about the game recap this week against the cincinnati It was in attendance for the game it was a great game Uh, The Ravens come on top 24-21, so the immediate thing about that game is it propels the Ravens right back into the playoffs. Uh, I wrote an article this past week about the Ravens' playoff chances and what happened after the win against the the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Basically, all you really need to know is that the Baltimore Ravens have a much better chance of making the playoffs now that they... um, they won the game. Most people have them, most analysts, most experts have them around the 40% range. Um, ESPN gives them 43% chance. 538 gives them a 37% chance. It's kind of low. New York Times, 40% chance. Cynthia Freeling gives them a 48% chance. Um, if they had lost the game, they probably, according to ESPN at least, they would have been down around a 7.7% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, the, the Bengals would have owned the tiebreaker by virtue of a sweep in the division games between the Ravens and them themselves. The Bengals beat the Ravens earlier in the season in Week 2. Um, so if the Bengals had won, it would have plummeted the Ravens to 4-6. and six. The Bengals to 6-4. and four. Obviously, that would have been very difficult. The Ravens would have had to win, you know, three games and have the Bengals lose three games at least to make that distinction. But, I mean, that would have been difficult instead. The Ravens and Bengals are tied in 5-5. Five and five. The Ravens have a tiebreaker for now based on divisional play and conference play with the Bengals. Probably would change next week depending on whether or not the Bengals win. Even if the Ravens win next week, the Bengals um, have a chance to, to retake the wildcard spot, at least temporarily. Um, but this game really helps the Ravens' chances to make the playoffs. It's a very uh, important was a very important game, um, and a lot of factors went into this game. The coaches had, I think, an outstanding performance. In this game, really making sure the players were ready to play. Um, not a whole lot of, of trickery. We kind of knew what was going to happen going into it, and but they did it uh, effectively. Execution was on point. Play calling was on point, and I think that the Ravens ultimately um, outcoached the Bengals in this one, who were you know being coached uh, at least defensively wise by Marvin Lewis, who hadn't coached a defensive you know scheme in a while at calling plays too. So I think the Ravens took advantage of everything they could. To ensure a victory here, and that's what they got. They got the victory they needed. Uh, they go on to play Oakland next week, and we'll talk about that uh, at the end um, of this this episode here on Nest Talk. But first, I do want to talk a little bit about the key performances in the game. Obviously, the first person that's going to come to mind is Lamar Jackson. Joe Flacco has a hip injury, uh, was sidelined. The Ravens played some games in the the week the week prior, kind of made it sound like Joe Flacco could play. Um, John Harbaugh was non-committal. He wouldn't say anything about the situation. Wouldn't give, tip their hats to any quarterback. Said Joe Flacco didn't need to practice to play. Joe Flacco came off his crutches. Uh, and for a minute, I thought he was going to play. And then it, it kind of became apparent on Thursday that he wasn't going to play. And that it would be between Lamar Jackson and RG3. Uh, they were leaning towards uh, Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson got the start his first ever NFL start at the game the entire crowd gave him basically a standing ovation the moment he walked out uh, all cheering for him hoping he would do well and lead the ravens to not only a victory today but victories in the future they want this uh, this kid to be the franchise quarterback uh, after flacco is done in baltimore whenever that may be you know we're still not entirely sure on that situation but at least for the moment he'll he'll be the starter Uh, He was a starter for the game against Cincinnati, and he'll be the starter again against the Raiders as Flacco is rehabbing his uh, hip. So what did we learn about Lamar Jackson? Um, Not a whole lot. Honestly, we did not learn a whole lot about Lamar Jackson. Basically, everything we assumed about him coming into the game was true. Um, He is a prolific player on the ground. He ran very, very well um, in that department. Uh, he finished the day remarkably for a quarterback. He was the first Ravens quarterback ever to go over 100 yards on the ground. 27 carries for 117 yards. His longest run of the day was 21 yards. No touchdowns, though, uh, on the ground or through the air, where he threw 13 of 19 for 150 yards. Um, an interception and a sack as well were, were you know, what, what happened to him. Um, it, I'm sorry, two sacks. Um, we'll talk about the interception in a second, but I do want to talk about the rushing stats first. Um, he's a workhorse, obviously. 27 rushing attempts for 117 yards, that's tough to do. Um, I don't think this is a sustainable way to to, to run an offense, um, having your quarterback get hit 27 times on these runs. But I think the Ravens are just using what they can right now to ensure a victory, um, in a much-needed game. They, they had a game plan for it, and they knew they could do it, get away with it this game and potentially next game, so I'm all fine with it for now. Um, only finished with a quarterback rating of seventy point one, and we knew going into the game he was not going to be the best of uh, passers. He also fumbled the ball, um, just to note. He also fumbled the ball earlier in the game, um, on the on the ground game. I think he ran for the ran for it, fumbled it, but he got it back himself. I'm pretty sure. Um, Lamar Jackson only completed thirteen of nineteen for one fifty yards. A lot of those yards came on uh, rack run after catch. A lot of the receivers they would throw short, typically over the middle. Um, and the receivers would take off for it. The Bengals weren't really able to make a whole lot of adjustments on that. They weren't, you know, they would try to get, get a lot of guys to Lamar Jackson and kind of leave it open at certain points. Willie Snead had a really good day with five receptions. I think he went for 51 yards, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, Willie Snead, 51 yards, five receptions, eight targets, um, didn't catch everything thrown towards him. Lamar Jackson, though, when he was able to make a quick pass over the middle, he was very effective doing that. Not a whole lot of problems there. He also made some nice plays. Um, he made a, made a pass to Mark Andrews for 19 yards near the sideline, and he kind of danced in the pocket and on one play, escaped, found, found John Brown right before halftime to set up Justin Tucker long, 56-yard field goal. Um, but Lamar Jackson also struggled. He threw an interception. That was a terrible pass. He danced around for too long and tried to force a ball into triple coverage and he got picked off. Um, he also threw a ball really early on in the game in, in the Ravens' own territory um, right into the hands of a Bengals defender. I mean, it, it was should have been a catch. I think I could have caught that ball, and he dropped it. not really sure why he dropped that, but that should have been a second interception. Had some really weird plays. You know, some of these throws weren't the best, but the Ravens tried to limit his throws over the middle, short, and allow receivers to get extra yards. Willie Snead fought for a lot of yards. Um... That's where probably the the bulk of his yardage came from, from the run after catch, um, although he did have a couple nice plays. I think what we learned about Lamar Jackson, other than not a whole lot, we, we basically knew, um, is, is that he has potential, but he's not there yet. I think that Lamar Jackson did fine as a starter. Um, I think he, he he's, he's going to be the best backup quarterback in the NFL for the rest of this season, in my opinion. He'll be able to win games um, when called upon, but he's not going to be able to do this every game. Once teams figure out, put seven in the box or stack the box or whatever and bring your linebackers up and test Lamar Jackson to throw deep because he did not throw deep. Uh, his longest pass was for 21 yards, and that's because um, John Brown got a few more yards on the play. And in reality, you know, the ball only traveled about 19 yards for his longest. But that's okay because that's what he's good at doing right now. He's not such a good deep thrower. The Ravens um, are going to have to use Flacco for that right now. Um, But Lamar Jackson will be okay long-term, I think, if he develops, especially with his throwing habits, because he's already already there as a runner. Over the middle on these short routes, he can hit with very good accuracy, although he did have to have Chris Moore bail him out at one time. Uh, The pass was very behind Chris Moore, who made a spectacular catch to grab it and then try to run with it, but he couldn't get very far. Um, But Lamar Jackson, he's got a lot of of work to do, but that's okay. He's a rookie quarterback, um, and he's not the most polished passer, I think, that the Ravens kind of subject him too much to the to the game and try to have him force these throws when he's not ready to, when he's not refined enough, when the coaches haven't, you know, given him enough time to, to make himself a better quarterback, it's going to only, you know, he's going to live to regret it um, in that sense. But I do think that, you know, if, if the Ravens needed a quarterback to win them some games, uh, Lamar Jackson can do it. He is a phenomenal player on the ground especially, and I think he can do well. Um to the, to the um, passing game, especially with the progression of his spirals. If you look at the thro- balls he was throwing in the preseason versus the balls he threw in Cincinnati, it's night and day. Uh, the spiral, the tightness of the spiral, I think the accuracy and the precision improved. So I think he does have the 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 potential to improve it, um, and I think that the Ravens should really work on that. Now, he's going to have to start against Oakland, but I think that's okay. They could probably get away with the same uh, scheme against Oakland. Oakland is the 31st worst. Um... The 31st-ranked offensive, I'm sorry, defensive um, team against the run. The Bengals were the 32nd. I think the Ravens can do a lot of the same thing against them. Uh, but another player that really we're going to have to watch for against the Raiders is Gus Edwards, who had a phenomenal game against the Bengals. Gus Edwards, undrafted rookie free agent out of Rutgers, spent some time uh, undergraduate in Miami. He was a graduate transfer to Rutgers. Uh, he was on fire for the entire game. Gus Edwards was just amazing. Uh, I had never seen a, a runner, well, I, actually I have, uh, a runner do something like that that you're not expecting. We saw Alex Collins kind of do it last year, not to the extent Buck Allen did, and I think Justin Forsett, you know, appearing out of nowhere in 2014 probably rivals what Gus Edwards did. Obviously, we don't know if it's sustainable for Gus Edwards. It might just be a one-game wonder. We don't know. Um, but he performed very, very well against um, Cincinnati Bengals. He rushed the ball 17 times for 115 yards and a touchdown. Also got a two-point conversion off of that touchdown. Uh, he also, he didn't catch any balls, but his longest run of the day was 17 yards. And I thought that he did phenomenally well, especially going straight up. He worked uh, straight up the gut through the offensive line and pounding through the defense. He worked very well with Lamar Jackson's read options because it gives you an option either to go up or... Or to go outside, and defenses had to worry about Gus Edwards, because this guy's big, right? This guy is a huge dude. He is Gus the bus. He is going to plow right through defensive lines and get some yards. He's 6'1", 238 pounds. I mean, he is not a dude you want to stop. So, I mean, we'll have to see if Gus Edwards can do it again, maybe against... um, the the Oakland Raiders that they played next week, but I think Gus Edwards did a phenomenal job against the Cincinnati situation which has been garbage all year. Um first running back to hit a hundred yards nominal day and let's see if he can continue it down the road. Now the Ravens had a solid Carolina and against Pittsburgh. Um Marlon Humphrey I think was the best cornerback on the field John Ross. Um but Marlon Humphrey did very well. He at the end of the game with a um with a pass deflection, the pass deflection won the Ravens the game knocking it out of the hand of one of the Bengals receivers, I don't remember who um, it was one of their you know, depth depth guys, they didn't even go for Tyler Boyd they had A.J. Green out, that was a big issue and I think that's part of the reason why they won honestly, not having A.J. Green to dominate the Ravens defense as he always does and that would have put Lamar Jackson in a terrible position where he had to uh, kind of place a, a shootout game against Andy Dalton, which I don't think he would have been able to win through the air, but The combination of the defense able to stop uh, the Andy Dalton-led offense for the most part. You combine that with a excellent performance by um, Lamar Jackson on the ground and the running game just going way over 200 yards. I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, It was the energy was pretty good. Um, overall, I, I I couldn't be much happier. And they schemed what they based on their strengths and the Bengals, de- the Bengals' weaknesses beneficial for the Ravens, and the Bengals were not able to adjust to it all game. Uh, you saw in the first drive, uh, go crazy for the rest of the game, but he had success on the ground. He kept the time of possession to third in the winner's column to five and five, and they're right in the thick of the playoff race, currently holding the number of performance. What does this mean for Joe Flacco going forward? Joe Flacco's injury will obviously keep him out this this coming week. Um, he probably will be back by the Atlanta game. That's be a better passer at this point than Lamar Jackson. I think that goes without saying. Lamar Jackson's going to be you know struggling. Joe Flacco, especially with an offense led by Matt Ryan with Julio Jones, um, I think Lamar Jackson can win a shootout if the Ravens defense is able to stop uh, the Atlanta offense. This is against good offense. Good offenses against Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, and the Carolina put it in the defense against this Matt Ryan-led offense, so I kind of want Joe Flacco to be here to stop you on the sideline. We can hit Willie Sneed over the middle. We can find Mark Andrews. We can do it with ease. We don't have to worry about over the middle, you know, worrying about him hitting the sidelines, worrying about him going deep. We don't really want to be attention, um, especially if they win next week against the Raiders. I think even if because the Raiders are not a very good team at all, um, no offense to John Gruden's team, Lamar Jackson against the Raiders, and of course, you don't want Lamar Jackson to play three games in a row where he's rushing after the third one, so, um, they're eventually going to have to scale back his runs to maybe catch on to what he's doing, he now has, t- they now have tape on him, you know, they can figure out where he might struggle, the majority of it was Lamar Jackson's magic on the ground, which is what gave him, um, the amazing, what exactly the Ravens were going to throw at them with Lamar Jackson on the field, and they were to the game, um, but once teams start to see what this is, they're going to have an easier time bottling up Lamar, you know, tell him about that, the issues that come if you don't slide. you um, have to see, because teams are going to be able to adapt to what he's doing, and he's going to have to work ten times hard. Uh, against Atlanta, they're going to be a diff- more difficult team um, defensively-wise. You do the math, that's the worst in the league. The Raiders are the 26th worst defense. Um, if you Lamar Jackson, should be able to do what he did last week against the Raiders. Uh, but the Falcons are 23, do more things against Lamar Jackson that maybe the Raiders and the Bengals uh, are not able to do. Um, so obviously, I think Flacco will be the long-term, st- well, not long-term starter, I mean, a few years from now, he'll definitely be gone, depending on when. Uh, but he'll be the starter for the rest of the year, as soon as he gets healthy, in my opinion, especially as the Ravens are down the stretch here, trying to nail into the playoffs. I think they'll be able to do it um, with Flacco. At the helm of the offense, so we'll have to to um, see how it goes. Um, but I do want to talk about Gus Edwards. Now, this is a player who really can usurp Alex Collins as the starting running back. Collins has done nothing all year to to tell me he's he should be the back. A lot of the times, watching the tape, you kind of see him miss some holes. Although the offensive line really wasn't helping him for much of the year. Um, Alex Collins still has some big play potential, but he's not really doing a lot as the can do again. You know, granted, it is one of the worst run defenses in the league. I still think Gus Edwards back this year to gain over 100 yards in a game. Um, Alex Collins struggling. Buck Allen just, it seems like, based on what I saw on Sunday. Um, I think they should put in Edwards, Collins, but obviously it's not working on the ground right now with, with, with anyone. Pose aligning Lamar Jackson up at running back. For some plays, I know that the Ravens were trying to emphasize toss to him, kind of run towards the the sideline and, you know, be like, okay, I can either run yards, or if there's somebody open, I can pass it. And I think it's, you know, kind of a win-win situation. If you do that, maybe them. But again, to get back on the Gus Edwards topic, I do think Falcons in a few weeks. uh, We'll have to see how he plays against Oakland. Okay, moving on. Um, just a brief point here, um, this isn't really something I'm gonna go super into depth to, but the Ravens are probably gonna see a third Hall of Famer, um, this summer, and that would be Ed Reed, um, the finalists will be announced later on, but he is one of 25 semi-finalists, um, for the Hall of Fame, it, it, the general consensus is he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, obviously, a legend in Baltimore, a legend in the NFL, probably the best safety that ever played the game. Definitely the best safety to ever, you know, have a knack for interceptions. I mean, the dude was a ball hawk, and he could return from the end zone all the way to the other end zone. I mean, he was a remarkable player when he played, and I think that he's going to end up as the, in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame at the end of this year. Obviously, he's he's in, still in contention for it. It'll take a little while based on the Pro Football Hall of Fame um, process, but by you know the night before the Super Bowl or whatever, when they do the awards show, we'll probably know. You know, based on well, probably earlier we'll know that's it'll get leaked in the media, but we'll know that he's you know almost certainly a Pro Football Hall of Famer. I do believe he will get in this year, and that'll be exciting to see the Ravens get another Hall of Famer into the to the, the Hall of Fame. They got Ray Lewis last year, Jonathan Ogden a few years ago. You know, for a young franchise only 22 years old, you know, getting some homegrown. Um, Pro Football Hall of Famers, it's, it's difficult because, you know, you, if you guys meet Hall of Famers, they're going to need long careers in their city, and for a, a 22-year-old franchise, you can only have so many of those at a time. I think the next, after I'd read, would probably be Terrell Suggs, depending on when he retires. I think Marshall Yanda has a shot at it. I think Justin Tucker will have a shot at it, uh, but that's a long ways away. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out, but I, I definitely think that this is the way that everybody's going to get in. First Ballot Hall of Fame, Back-to-back Ravens players getting in will be very nice to see. I can't wait to see that um, see him get his bust in Canton this summer. So that'll be fantastic. Okay, so this is a bit of a shorter episode. Um, you know, not a whole lot of news this week. But I do want to talk about the three keys to the game against the Raiders. The three key matchups. We always do the matchups in this show. And then, of course, you can find the three key specifics, uh, specific areas in my preview and predictions article on BaltimoreFeather.com. So, what are the three keys for the Ravens this week? Well, the first one is Lamar Jackson versus the Raiders front seven. I think John Gruden is going to come out and he's going to, you know, put a bunch of guys in the box, try to get Lamar Jackson to throw. Lamar Jackson is going to have to throw more this week um, than last week. And I think, really, it's just because of the way John Gruden is going to play this. He's got tape on him. He's going to, you know, go more for the weaknesses he saw. Um... You know, Lamar Jackson will have some running plays, but I don't think he's going to rush 27 times. He'll probably be down more around 15 or 16, and he's going to have to throw the ball more. Um, he might not be able to do it over the middle completely, so he's going to have to maybe go to the sidelines. If he can just prove himself to be a, a fantastic passer or, you know, just a middle-of-the-road passer, I think the Ravens will do fine on offense. Um, they can still run the ball a lot, a lot of uh, read options and stuff with with um, with Gus Edwards or maybe Alex Collins or whoever they put in. Um, But he's going to have to give the ball off a little bit more than he did last week Um, just to kind of fool the Raiders a little bit more because if they know he's going to rush they're just going to pull all these guys. But then again this isn't the best run defense team in the league. Uh, It's pretty much the second worst run defense team in the league so you know, if there's anybody who might be fooled against this it might be the Raiders who are just not doing very well at all this year. Um, and that's exemplified with Derek Carr, their quarterback, and I think the second key matchup for this game is Derek Carr versus the Ravens' defense. Can the Ravens' defense produce some situations that will confuse Carr make Carr upset not able to, you know, get what he wants out of it? You've got um, Carr who struggled kind of, you know, for the past year not really a great year for him. He's kind of on the downturn. Um, and, and as a franchise quarterback, we don't really know how much he has with John Gruden here. But I think if the Ravens defense can really give him some weird looks, make you know, make him, make him be extremely accurate. If we get Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, Tavon Young, all the play very close coverage, I think that'll go to the Ravens' benefit. Get him to make mistakes, and once he makes a few mistakes, it's gonna be very difficult for the Raiders to climb out of the hole. Uh, they've only won a couple games this year, so uh, you know they're not really fighting a whole lot anymore. They're kind of demoralized. I think this game, you know, this is a way that the Ravens can win. Um, if they can make Derek Carr make some mistakes. Um, and the final key matchup of the game, I'm going to say, is the Ravens' pass versus the, versus the Raiders' offensive line. Obviously, to make Derek Carr make mistakes, you're going to need to get to him. You're going to need to make some pocket pressure. The Ravens haven't had a whole lot of pocket pressure for the past few weeks. Their defensive line has kind of vanished, especially with the edge rushers. Tim Williams is um, is missing. Um, Z'Darius Smith has been kind of in and out. Uh, Suggs has not done a whole lot, and then of course Matt Judon hasn't done a huge amount uh, off the edge. The Ravens pass rush has got to get to Derek Carr, make him to you know force him to make some passes he doesn't want to make, you know try to be as accurate as possible, but end up you know throwing right into double coverage or something. Um, he's not going to have a whole lot of his receivers there. Jordan Nelson probably won't play. I don't think Martavis Bryant will be active, and I know that someone else, Brandon LaFell, headed to the IR. I don't think Marshawn Lynch is going to play. At least that's the rumor I've heard. I don't actually know. Um, I'll check that out real r- right now. Um, there's a whole lot of issues that the Raiders have right now. So we'll have to see what, what's going on. Uh, yeah, Lamar... I'm sorry, not Lamar Jackson. Marshawn Lynch is expected to miss the rest of the season. The Raiders are very you know injury-plagued here. Uh, but the offensive line remains somewhat intact, and that's what they're going to have to hit. If they can get to, to Derek Carr, who's going to have it all on his shoulders offensively on the game, it's going to be difficult for him to make plays all day. Okay, so that's it for today's episode of Nest Talk. We're already on episode 18. We've been doing this since August, and here we are on November 21st, the night before Thanksgiving. Um, thank you all for listening. You can follow Nest Talk at Nest Talk on Twitter or find us on Facebook. You can find the Baltimore Feather on Facebook or just hit us up on Twitter at be More Feather, or just find us on the website BaltimoreFeather.com. I'm Chris Linfont at Linfont on Twitter. Signing out. Have a great night and a happy Thanksgiving to all. Uh, all of you.